Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to The Unattractive Truth, Episode 3. I am back with, well, yes, I'm back, and so is Allison. Yes! <laughs> Returning with us once again is, is our um, partner in crime, Allison Coyle. Thank you again for joining us. Well, I will just say it is fantastic to be back for those of you who listened last week. I was not present, and I wanted to give a shout-out to your brother Jordan, you guys had such a great podcast last week. Thank you, um, Allison. I loved it much more than week one. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, week one was full of, of good stuff. It was full of it was gold. <laughs> it was gold. <laughs> kind of yeah, puts I mean, pressure on this one, then. <laughs> I know. But no, I mean, I'm hoping we can follow up week three with something equally tantalizing. So... <laughs> This episode's topic is going to be about Christian testimony, about why it is so important and why it is our responsibility, and also how it's perceived from non-believers, believers, and what God says about it. So we're just going to go across this whole topic about what is testimony? What is a Christian testimony supposed to be? Well, just to start things off, I just kind of want to jump into something that I've really struggled with personally idolizing other Christians, putting them on a pedestal as an example of how my life should look instead of focusing on Jesus's ministry. I'll see other Christians doing certain things like like watching certain movies or using particular language, and I'll think, well, they seem very squared away, so it's probably okay. Something I've been thinking about more recently, something that's it's kind of scary, is thinking that others have looked at us that way. And maybe they've thought the same thing. They've seen us act a certain way, and they've kind of validated their actions by observing us. I mean, just thinking back in my own life, I've been acquainted with a few people who, on the surface, they seem very put together, and they, to the average person, they seem like they're God-fearing people. But when you get to know them, they're, they're not actively pursuing a relationship with God. And you kind of figure out that these are the kind of people that... Not to be judgmental, but they're they're kind of wearing a mask. They're not people that, that, you know, you should be basing your own judgment off of. They're not people that you should be modeling your life after. A few years ago, one of these acquaintances of mine, they actually told one of their friends, they were introducing me to them, and they introduced me to this person by saying, oh, Allison is a really strong Christian. And again, this was a few years ago. This was in a time when I was not at all pursuing a relationship with God. And that really hit me, and it still kind of sits with me to this day. It makes me feel convicted about I need to be careful of what my testimony is to others, not just, you know, for my sake, but also for theirs. So that's something I've struggled with. I think being a Christian, you're already under a spotlight because— we are intentionally supposed to be so different from the world. We're supposed to stand apart from other people who don't seem to have the same convictions because of the standards that God has put before his people. So that is a, a common struggle for every professing Christian because you can't really help how people think about you. You can't really change a person's opinion on how they think of you. All you can really do is maintain a testimony and just do what God says. It's maintaining that focus, which is, is that's the whole part of sanctification is just being Christ-like every single day is 
part of growing more and more like Christ. And and that and the testimony is just something that it's something we're we're learning every day of just how to maintain it, what it's supposed to look like, how it is being perceived by other people. But it's also trying to get over that hurdle of caring so much what other people think, especially non-Christians. Because I think we get so caught up with, oh, I don't want them to think of me as this, you know, crazy, heavy religious fanatic because then they'll dismiss me, you know, as a person and I I don't want to be isolated socially. I feel like that happens all the time. I mean, I can definitely confess to that where I try and maintain my my faith when I'm around specific people just so that I'm not alienated in a certain way or they can't act themselves fully around me because they think I have claimed myself as a holier than thou sort of thing. Mm. I think this also ties into why it's so important to know the Bible and to spend time dwelling on scripture. When I was trying to make a habit of reading my Bible a few months ago, I had a very legalistic attitude about it. And I felt like, okay, let me get a chapter knocked out today so I can say that I did it. Or, you know, let me, let me make sure that I read today so I don't have to read two chapters tomorrow. And it takes time to develop that habit, but as you develop it, you begin to realize it it was never meant to be a chore, and it was never meant to be something that we do to feel better about ourselves or to pacify our, our conscience. As you develop it, you, you just start to realize that these rules that we kind of initially see them, we, we, as we're reading the scripture, it, it kind of feels like we're just reading off a checklist of what not to do, mm. but... I feel like as you develop a relationship with the Lord, you, you, you know, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. You're you're listening to those convictions. You, you it kind of clicks, and you realize the Scripture was never meant to rob us of, of joy. Like mm. we feel sometimes like God's just a buzzkill, right? Trying, and, and he's you know this vengeful parent trying to tell us what not to do. Right. But I feel like the further you dig into it, the more you're provided with an understanding of what will protect our hearts and minds and what will harm us. And that kind of segues into our topic this week, which is um, the importance of testimony and the influence of our culture. Absolutely. I feel like that's going to be another great topic to talk about the relationship we have with God as a child to a father, because he very much has that wisdom and, and affection and love towards us, that which is why he has very specific instructions and intentions that he has for us and how much he cares for us because he knows we're going to be going through such really like some hardships because this world is going to clash against us because it's it's so it's so opposite but we need to go through that opposition in order to grow and then that's how we see the truth of him radiate from that so the testimony is is something we are learning every day because as we are going into his word as we are pursuing him in prayer he is revealing himself to us every single day the holy spirit is always at work so we should never feel discouraged if we don't feel a growth or uh, some sort of movement or spiritual activity because we can't base our faith on a feeling otherwise we would be chasing that dragon you know what i mean and I mean, so, I mean, you, you brought up a lot of really good points and that's part of the struggle of having a solid testimony and continuously working toward having a better testimony is there's so many influences 
right. not just internal and not just, not just spiritual, but there's so many outside cultural influences that kind of threaten to weigh us down and muddy the waters and um, weaken our mental state and weaken our ability to decipher right from wrong. So I just kind of wanted to pose this to you is what are some cultural influences, whether it be movies or music, is there anything like that that you feel like has weakened your testimony or has threatened to or that that you've kind of struggled to to deal with? That's a great question. It's, uh, I think, a really good example to bring up is when I was actually at Liberty University, which is a, a Christian university, and I was listening to uh, Michael Buble in my dorm, and there was this one friend who was uh, part of the dorm who said, oh, I love Michael Buble. He, I lo- is this his new album? I'm like, yeah, it's his new album. Do you want me to uh, like share it with you? Like, You can download it from my computer. It's not a problem. And then he's like, oh, no, no, I, I can't do that. That, that would be stealing, and uh, I, I don't want to do that. Like, It's theft. It's copywriter. And I was just baffled. I'm like, seriously? I don't understand. Like, it's I'm sharing it with you. You know, it's I don't understand how that could be a problem. But as the days went forward, I started to realize that people have different convictions because they have different weaknesses, different perspectives. They have different levels of their faith that they have an understanding with God of just what offends him, what convicts ourselves, and what God wants us to be representatives of to each other. And so I started to think about that. I was like, man, I had like that totally would not have bothered me or I would not have been convicted of that. But it did bother somebody else. And I do have to be sensitive towards that because in this world of 2018, where everyone is offended and everyone should be sensitive of everybody, (laughs) we we still have to try to bring that to a scale of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be sensitive of their weaknesses, what may be their weaknesses and uh, other issues where they're probably in a place in their faith where we don't want to cause them to stumble because that very much might be the case. And like with with women who uh, wear different kinds of clothing that they're comfortable with, and some of them don't even realize that, oh, this, you know, isn't a problem to anybody because they don't think about how they might, it might be a temptation to their brothers. And there's a lot of different things that we don't even think of that would bother other believers, but we have a strong responsibility to maintain a testimony to each other as Christians, because the world is the world, and and they they see us as a certain way, and they could be influenced even by a good thing in the wrong way. But maintaining a testimony to each other is what keeps us strong. It's something that maintains the fellowship of Christ, and that's something that I don't think is being emphasized when it comes to the topic of testimony, because we're only think we think of testimony is just the perception of the world to Christians, how people see us when it's actually, I think, a little bit more intimate when it actually is just between the believers where we need to keep each other strong. We need to sharpen iron with iron. We need to make sure we don't stumble our brothers and sisters and making sure that we are edifying in what we do and what we say and who we are. I think that's a great point, mainly because, like you mentioned, our culture is centered around the self and it's the entire focus of our society is how can I get what's mine? What can I do to benefit me instead of looking at others and saying, okay, how do my actions, how does my influence affect others, especially within the church? As believers, this should be a core message, but 
I don't necessarily feel like it's being taught. And I mean, there's, you know, there's some churches that they kind of go to the extreme of manipulating the scripture to make it fit the self and to make you feel good instead of just preaching the word and letting the Holy Spirit convict as it will. But anyway, to just to, to kind of pull us back in and, and get us on center. So I just want to ask, I don't know if you were interested in sharing any of the cultural influences that have um, affected you at all or or not. Um, I, I kind of have a few, but I didn't know if you wanted to go ahead and, and start off with yours. Yeah, I mean, um, for those who don't know me, I am very much a, a big fan of cinema, of movies, of film. I just love the medium, and eventually one day I would love to be a filmmaker. But I mean, I, I love watching movies. I love the movies that come out, and I feel that that desire is overpowering uh, the standards of my belief. Because there will be a movie that comes out and it doesn't bother me because, you know, I'm seeing it very subjectively as a film. But there are things in the film that are offensive to my belief that I need to be convicted of, that I need to take a stand and, and say, you know, I, I need to put my desires for film not above the desires of God. And that's such a hard thing to do. It's like when a person says they're giving something up for Lent or they're just trying to discipline themselves to eat right or to get themselves to run outside or whatever those little things may be. Those things are what they are. But when it really comes to something that is in the way of what you truly want, that's where we where most people just say, okay, no, okay, I'm not that serious about not eating pizza ever again. Are you are you kidding me? <laughs> I love pizza. Or no more bacon. Okay, well, that's a little bit crazy. That's so a little hardcore. I okay, I'm not that serious, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that for for me, it's movies. It's being able to watch something and not having a you know any other thought besides just enjoying what I'm seeing. But if it's it is something that is offensive and against, you know, my belief, I do need to take a stand. If that's what I am professing, I need to make sure that the thing that offends my Lord needs to offend me as well. And I cannot allow that sort of sinful habit to claim a foothold of what the Lord has already purchased. And it's interesting. I think a lot of people have very similar struggles. They don't necessarily seem like a big deal. It doesn't seem like it would be that difficult to not watch particular movies or, or not listen to, to certain music or whatever it might be. But it is. And it it's a problem for a lot of us. It's like you mentioned, what offends God, it should offend us. That's That should be our goal is to get to that point where we do feel that conviction when we see something that we know is not good and pure and it's something we we shouldn't be meditating on and it's difficult to get to that point sometimes i know for me personally i'm a huge horror movie fan i love horror movies and it's not the gore factor necessarily or anything like that but it's just i love suspense i love thrills um, yeah i love thrills of anything i mean Tim and I, we didn't go together, but we separately have gone skydiving. Yes. Both loved it. We love roller coasters. Just love anything kind of thrilling. And for me, horror movies, they provide the same sort of suspense. And I just like that feeling. I like the intensity of it. You know, there are some old horror movies that I 
I don't necessarily see a problem with some of the old black and white, very inoffensive, <laughs> very <laughs> kind of campy, be, seemingly <laughs> rated kind of movies. But then there's other movies, there's more modern movies that I've watched and they are offensive and a few of them have made me feel really bad for watching them. And there's some horror movies that you, you, you can't wipe out of your mind some of the imagery. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, as you get further into the scripture and you develop a closer walk with God, I don't think that a lot of what we're told is, is to stifle fun and enjoyment, anything like that. I think it's to protect us and it's to give us more clarity to decipher what's right and wrong. I know after watching some of these movies and I feel convicted about it and I can't erase some of the imagery that still bothers me. Right. I know that that's not God saying, I don't want you to, to have any fun or do anything like that. It's, it's to protect my mind and to not dwell on some of the things that I've watched. And, and, you know, music is obviously, that's a struggle for a lot of people is to kind of decipher what should or shouldn't I be listening to. So I think that that's pretty universal. I think a lot of Christians have trouble with that. But like you mentioned also, just to kind of briefly touch on this, just as a female, it is difficult sometimes as far as clothing is concerned. It's, it's tough to know what would or wouldn't affect your brothers wouldn't lead other Christian men into temptation because that's just honestly, it's not on most women's mind when they get dressed. They get dressed thinking, oh, I look good. Right. <laughs> I'm, or I'm I feel, good. I feel comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of, but yeah, I think that that's an important thing to think about and to, to keep in mind. It's, it's a good reminder because, yeah, obviously we just as women, we don't think about that generally. So, yeah, that was a really good reminder. It really is difficult to try and find that fine line of like, OK, so what exactly where should I draw the line? Because you think about it, it's like Game of Thrones. That that TV show is chock full of offensive things you know it has the language and the nudity and the violence and the homosexuality i mean has it has pretty much the whole spectrum you know of things that are offensive to god and so it's pretty easy to kind of you know look at something like that and say well yes that that's something that's a good example of something that we shouldn't advocate or endorse (laughs) but then you look at little things like what about the office Office is, is great. Who yeah. could have a problem with the office? I mean, you think about it, it's like, well, you know, the, the office playfully dances around the topics of having, you know, affairs and cheating and being unfaithful and homosexuality. I mean, it goes through the kind of the same spectrum of stuff, just in different uh, degrees, you would say. So then you try and figure out like, okay, so what? I'm not supposed to watch The Office or I don't understand. Like where where are the lines? Because it's not like the Bible tells us like here's the here's the things you can watch. Here's the things you can't watch. Uh, There's this thing called Netflix that's going to come out. And uh, here are the things that you're allowed to stream in 2018 or whatever. (laughs) Just it's I mean, we want it that clear to us, but it's not. And so therefore we just like, well, since I'm not getting a nagging voice or conviction, I'll just keep going until I think it's fine to stop. And that's where we have developed our standard above God's because it's not about us determining what is just or what is right in the eyes of God. What it really comes down to is a spiritual maturity that is being developed 
as we progress in our faith, because eventually we will come to that point where watching this TV show is not worth compromising my standards that I have with the Lord. My relationship with the Lord is more important than me having this desire to watch something, because then, like you said, it becomes an idol. It's something that takes up this place in your heart that you don't want to give up because it's something you want. You've placed an importance on it, a priority. But as our our relationship with the Lord matures, it will also discipline. And then we will start slowly letting go of things that we have unknowingly pulled into our hearts and just kept it for ourselves because we we like these things. It makes us comfortable in this world. Things make better sense when I'm having these things close to me. And it, it doesn't have to be TV shows, obviously. It can be food or friends or objects, whatever it is, clothing. But as we, I believe, get older and the Lord allow these things that will kind of prod at our spirit, that it will make us think differently and and start to come to the realization that as I look into knowing the Lord more, I want to know what pleases him more. And that's more important than the desires I have for things of this world. And that, that will come in time. We have to be patient with ourselves because the Lord is definitely patient. But we also have to have the understanding of, okay, I can't be so frustrated just because I'm having a hard time letting go of bacon, you know, I mean, <laughs> what, whatever it is. I mean, but don't don't confuse that with, well, well, I mean, I haven't felt that yet, so I'll just wait for it to come about. It's like, no, that that change comes when you have that understanding, when you are free from that ignorance, when you have come to that understanding of that relationship you have with the Lord, that that you have a true love that you do not want to offend. It's like if if you're dating somebody or you're married to somebody, you don't want to do something that offends the person you love that you really care about. And to make sure your relationship is stronger, you start to make little sacrifices of things you personally want so that you have a stronger relationship with your partner. That's exactly right. And I I think a, a big part of that, like you just mentioned, is the importance of developing that relationship. I know that For me personally, in the past, when I had more of a legalistic attitude toward what was right and what's wrong, I would kind of go through spells of thinking, okay, well, if I do this and I do this, or, you know, if I don't watch this show or I don't watch this movie or listen to this music, then I'm in good standing with God. But there was, there was no relationship there. There was no interest in my heart to develop that relationship with God and to learn about what he desires for me. And if you go about it that way, and it's a, it becomes a legalistic thing where you kind of go over the line and you just kind of like, honestly, you go pull turkey in a way. And you just start to try and wipe these negative influences from your life without actually developing that relationship with God and without praying for guidance and praying for conviction It doesn't lead any, I mean, I know from experience, it doesn't lead anywhere. You don't feel differently. You don't feel convicted. You just feel like you're checking off things off of a list. And that's not what salvation's about. That's not what God wants for us. Something else that this is, this might be a little in the weeds, but I'm going to go there anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So something that you know that I've struggled with and continue to struggle with is 
politics, as silly as that sounds. Oh, don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) That's politics. We all do in 2018, let's be honest. Yeah, it's it's, whether Um, you're political or not, politics is in your life. (laughs) It's infiltrated every part of your life. So just kind of on the topic of, of having these these cultural idols, that's something that I've really struggled with, not so much on a surface level. I've struggled with loving other people. I've I've allowed at certain times, I've become so one-track minded when it comes to politics and when it comes to focusing on certain things that it becomes an idol in itself. And it gets to a point where I just want to be right. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know right. certain things. And it gets to a point where I start to worship the information. I start to worship knowledge. And I have zero interest in having love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't care what other people feel or think. And that is something I really struggle with that I have struggled with my entire life because again that was sort of where that legalistic attitude came in was okay I'm doing certain things but I was missing the entire picture the whole time caring about other people so that's something that I'm continuing to kind of tackle well I think it's a good point of how with politics it's kind of a pale reflection of how we are as Christians because even though we may agree with our, our Christians in a general sense, we still disagree with all these different branches and sects and denominations and perspectives like, you know, four point, five point Calvinist or Arminian or Protestant or whatever. And it's like, that's the same thing with politics, I feel. It's like we even amongst, let's say, you know, a Republican agrees with another Republican, but they're a different kind of Republican, you know. So it's like even amongst the same group, we always have something that is different than the other person. And of course, the end goal is to be right, to mm-hmm. have the right mind and to therefore make the right decisions and what's best for everybody because it's not really about wanting the best for everybody. It's it's a selfish thing. You want to be right. That's exactly right. And it's, it's just really sad and unfortunate that so many of us so easily lose sight of what it's supposed to be about, what our testimony is supposed to be about, which is serving as a positive example to other Christians as well as to non-believers. And when we allow these cultural influences to affect our judgment, not only obviously are we destroying our own image and our own testimony, but we're affecting how others view what Christianity is and what God is. I think the biggest influence is the desires that we look for in this world, whether it be movies or politics or people or, you know, relationships, whatever it is, what we're seeking out for ourselves is our greatest influence. And our testimony is is kind of to be the opposite of that, to be selfless, just as Christ was. So as we're learning to be a testimony it's not so much like, here's a checklist of what it is to be a Christian and here's to be a testimony. This is what you have to do. It's like, no, being a testimony is something that is like, it's a natural thing. Like you have a natural desire to glorify God, to please him in what you do. And the rest of it will just follow suit. It will show to everybody else, like they're living a different life and they don't seem to have the same sort of desires that everybody else has, like the other intentions of other people. And as long as you kind of stay true to that, 
It shouldn't matter what people think of you because you are doing what the Lord is asking of you and you are exposing your relationship with him to others, which is, I think, what testimony really is. And I think I think something that a lot of us struggle with is feeling like we're not good enough to even have a testimony, to be an example to others. But whether we like it or not, like you mentioned, we are. We do influence other people through our actions. Other people, uh, especially those closest to us, they see what we're doing and they may or may not imitate what we do. So whether we like it or not, we're in that position. That's human nature. People mirror other people often. So it's just, it's something to keep in mind and it's something to work towards, something to strive to be better at. But like you mentioned, it's, it's not something we'll ever, you know, we will never perfect it. We've obviously, we're, none of us are perfect. We'll never get to a point where we feel like our testimony is as solid as it could be. So that's something that we shouldn't beat ourselves up about, even though we should strive to always do better. But it's it's not something that we can just say, oh, well, yeah, technically I'm a Christian, but don't look at me. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't don't take me know. for example. I mean, I exactly. believe I believe it, but I'm, I'm not the poster child. <laughs> exactly. I feel like the, the one thing I would love to just express to non-believers is that a life of being a Christian is it's suffering. It's it's living in this world to glorify God, but you're surrounded by things that are not of God. You are still burdened with a sinful nature. You still have this depravity that you're reminded of every day. And it's like your arms are being pulled in every direction. It's just it leaves you with this yearning of like, Lord, take me now. I don't want to be here. You've stripped me of this ignorance, this fantasy world of living in this world where this is all there is. But no, you. there's so much more. And my relationship with you has proven that. It's like, I want to show people who are not Christians, like, listen, the life of a Christian is is difficult and it's not rainbows and sunshine and, and you know, Bible stories and happy things. Like it's a promise of, of joy, this false joy. I mean, I feel like that's the one thing people are taking away from it saying that, oh, well, Christians are happy because they have this good news or whatever that's going on. But if anything, I feel like the Christians are the ones who suffer the most in their belief. Yeah, I completely um, know I mean, what you mean that's that very, argument. that's very much a downer. <laughs> but, I mean, no, it is. <laughs> no man it's really sad being a christian it's like no that's not what i'm trying to say it just i just want to let him know it's like it's very natural to see a christian going through hard times or having life like get at them because it's just it's a difficult thing to live as a christian in this world yeah it, it is it's i mean that is the truth and yeah. um something i expressed to you that i'll just expressed to everyone else. I'd mentioned this to you a few months ago. It was about a year ago when I first, when I got to the point where I kind of realized whether or not I was actually a Christian, I technically believed, you know, I, I believed that Jesus is the son of God and that he died to save us, but I was not walking the walk. I was not actively pursuing that relationship. And I just felt spiritually dead. I felt like my faith was non-existent. And so that was kind of a point where, like you mentioned, that it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows. When I first started praying about it and praying for understanding and praying for guidance, because I didn't know what that meant exactly, what I should be doing, where I should be turning, how my life should be different. The first few months after that were 
very difficult. Mm. And there were, there were moments of clarity. There were moments of just feeling peace and understanding and happiness, but there were also times of extreme frustration. There were times when I felt very convicted about things I didn't want to change things that I did not want to address. I didn't want to acknowledge that they were problems. You kind of wanted to go back to your ignorance. That's exactly what, uh, that's exactly what it was. And for a time I sort of did. So there were periods when this is entirely antithetical to the scripture. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. I've read plenty of verses now to know that this is wrong at the time, but I went through periods where I would just ignore what the Holy Spirit was convicting me about. And I said, no, we can change these things, but I don't want to change these things. So that's my compromise, essentially. Right. Is I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to change these things. Here are my terms. That's exactly right. And so that's kind of where you, you kind of face the reality that this, this is not a cakewalk. That, yeah, I kind of want to go back to being ignorant. I kind of want to go back to not feeling bad about doing certain things or thinking certain things, but that's the trade-off and it sounds negative and it, you know, it sounds daunting to to anyone who's not a believer, but there is also the incredible trade-off of you gain such a deep understanding of who God is and what your life means and what you're destined to be. And that we are not here by mistake. You do serve a purpose. Your life does have meaning. So there is that trade-off of, yes, you're going to feel convicted about certain things, but you're also going to be given that gift of understanding and of love. Right. I feel like the perfect like representation of that situation is... The Matrix. The Matrix, <laughs> yes! It's when Neo is introduced to the real world and it's this dark, dismal, painful place... And all he then wants is to to go back into his his world where, you know, I would rather be in ignorance, but it's like, nope, it's too late. You can't go back in like that. It's just ignorance is bliss. I feel like that that it's funny that movie has a very strong like spiritual connection because it's a very good thing to think about. It's like once once you are revealed the truth, the world is a very dark, dismal place that doesn't offer you anything. It doesn't satisfy you. The only thing that satisfies you is your purpose of glorifying God and your relationship with him. And that should be the only thing that matters anymore. Because it's like what you said, for a while, as like a new Christian, I'm sure most people have gone through this where they're just like, I really wish I wasn't a Christian so I could just go enjoy the things and not having convictions and you yeah. know, just, just not letting things bother me, just enjoy myself a little, you know? I wish I could go back to that. It's different now. It's like what I said before, your relationship will mature. You will start to understand that, listen, I need to let these things go. And when I let these things go because of my focus on glorifying God, you will feel this liberation, this freedom that you are letting go of these idols that are taking up your time and your focus and your attention. A a very poor example is when, for those people who like to play games on their phone, remember back in the day where Farmville like (laughs) took up everybody's time and they wanted to go check on their crops and people would hire other people or call people like, could you check on my crops? Could you harvest my strawberries? (laughs) Like all this stuff. Like it was, it was seriously, people were digital farmers and it was just, it became a chore 
but they were so obsessed with it and they wanted to decorate their farms and all that kind of stuff. But then there came that one day where you realize, you know what, this is taking up too much of my time, too much of my effort. I need to let it go. And then they finally delete their account or they stop playing it anymore. And you could just feel this wave of, oh my gosh, I have so much time now. I have freedom. I don't have to go check on that anymore. I mean, like, yeah, and what, I mean, just now using the word freedom, what's so interesting about it is as you start to give these certain things up that you've dealt with, that you've struggled with, you realize these other things that I was doing, that I was thinking that I was influenced by, at the time, I felt like I'm free to do all of these things. But it's not until you give these things up that you realize you were a slave to them. You realize freedom is having the power to say, no, I'm not going to be a part of this. Right. The liberation. Exactly. That's – man, I actually – I was today years old when I <laughs> – thought about how we originally wanted the freedom to sin and then after the truth we have this freedom from sin it's like these two very different things that are so important to realize because of course we want to just we want to do anything we want we want to be able to do everything to our heart's desire. And now with that with the truth and the knowledge of God and what he has done for us, we know we are liberated from that. We are free from sin. We we are not shackled down to only sin. I mean a, a really poor example of this. <laughs> We're full say, of poor examples. <laughs> a really bad example of this would be you just envision a little kid eating like wanting to eat candy all the time. Right. And then, of course, as your taste bud, well, for some of us, your taste buds <laughs> develop and you move past that and you realize, okay, well, you know, certain vegetables and, and fruit actually does taste good. And so it, it takes that maturity and it takes that development to reach that point of, of saying, okay, candy's okay sometimes, not going to eat it 24-7. Right. And I think, it's, I think it's the same with when it comes to spiritual maturity is – when you are, whether you're a non-believer or a baby Christian, you start off with the mindset of thinking, these things that I was doing, this is freedom. I get to do whatever I want to do, just like little kids eating candy. And it's not until you actually start to exercise that muscle and start to develop that relationship with the Lord and start to pray and ask for guidance and, and read the scripture to get a better understanding of what of what right and wrong is. It's not until you do all of these things that you realize that's not freedom, that's enslavement. I think most of us can relate to this, that there are certain habits that we don't even realize were habits until we've tried to stop doing it. Right. And it's not until that point that you realize, I don't have control over this. This is not something I want to be doing. I thought I did. But now that I'm trying to stop, I don't have control over this. I think when you discover your lack of control in an area, that's where it becomes almost this compulsive thing to convince yourself you have self-control. Because we never want to admit we have something out of control. Because, I mean, essentially, that's what we want in our nature. We want to have control over things, of things. And if there's the one thing of ourselves that 
is out of our control, well, we can't have that. I think on that note, let's just try and leave that fresh in in your guys' minds uh, and just to think about how you want others to perceive you. And is that a desire that you are trying to put higher than the standard of how God wants you to be to others? Exactly. There's a better way of saying that. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was pretty much it. And just to, to kind of touch on this again is just to remind everyone of the importance of developing that relationship with God because your instincts, your intuition are probably wrong. (laughs) Yeah, believe it or not, our nature is not a very pretty thing. It is not very reliable. No. (laughs) Nine times out of nine. Exactly. (laughs) It is unreliable. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that's, again, I think that's something we'll probably get into, you know, further in in future podcasts. Yes, absolutely. That's just, that is always such an important reminder uh, is... To, to pray for guidance and pray for wisdom. If you have struggle, if you have personal, which everyone does, everyone has some certain struggles, but just the importance of prayer, of asking for guidance and, right. and knowing that the Lord is listening and does care about what you're going through. He's not deaf and he's not blind to what's happening to you. And the so, Holy Spirit is always at work. Yes. And it's, again, it, just the importance of listening to that conviction and exercising that muscle of when you do feel that conviction, act on it, pray about it, don't push it aside. Right. I would say the call to action for this episode is to pray for humility, to pray for the perspective of who you are and what's what standards God has for you. For us to be a humble person is just, it's a totally against our nature. It's something that is supernatural. It is not something that we can do on our own because we have that just automatic capacity to just keep our heads low and put others above us. So if anything, I hope that can just stay on your hearts and on your minds and pray about it. Talk to God about it. Well, that wraps up our topic for today's episode. As always, I'm Tim. And I'm Allison. And this has been The Unattractive Truth.